Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana, and today I'm going to begin a five-part series that I have titled Dark Matters, working with some of life's most difficult emotions. We are going to tackle loneliness, and I choose that to be the first one because this podcast is dropping on Valentine's Day. And if there's ever a day where a single person might feel more lonely than maybe normally, it might be on the day where everybody's celebrating love and partnership and all that, right? So, you know, when I was single, and and you'll hear more about my journey in loneliness in just a minute because I have some real firsthand experience in it, I remember, you know, the three worst days of the year when you're a single person, for me anyway, was one, my birthday. It just sucked to be single on my birthday, okay? Two, New Year's Eve. I mean, it really sucked not to have someone to make out with when the clock struck midnight. And then three, Valentine's Day. It's like, why don't you just put it in my face that I don't have a partner to have dinner with or give flowers to or, you know, make love to and, you know, and all the things that happen on Valentine's Day. So we're going to deal with loneliness first because of the date. And then we're going to talk about anxiety and then insecurity and then resentment. And we're going to close up with depression. Okay. Now I've chosen those five. I could have chose so many others, but I kind of felt like those are the five that I think are not only, you know, really heavy emotions and difficult emotions to deal with, but I think they're some of the most common. I mean, who who doesn't deal with loneliness sometimes or anxiety or who doesn't feel a little insecure, right? And who of us hasn't, you know, maybe felt some resentment about what something's happened in our past or how we were treated or a situation or something like that. And then, of course, depression is so common, you know, to feel, you know, maybe there's a clinical depression, but I think a lot of us can feel what I might call the, the everyday kind of depression, just kind of down and blue and sort of dark and, you know, lack of energy. So we're going to deal with these, what I call, dark matters. And I guess I want to begin the conversation and just let you know that I have my own emotional experience going on right now as I do this. Because I am excited to talk about emotions that I think are so relevant. I'm excited to to share some things that can help. But I'm sort of scared. Like I don't want to mess this up because I know that I'm treading on holy ground when we talk about some of these 
darker emotions. I mean, I, I, I really want to point you in the right direction. And I'm, I'm afraid of saying things that won't be helpful and that, that won't be of service or possibly making it worse. Um, right. So I just, I just know that I, I'm really, I'm really talking about some serious things here and I want to do it justice. Now, having said that, I, I want to admit that I'm not going to be able to say everything there is to say about these emotions, right? I mean, we could talk for days. These are huge subjects, okay? So don't don't think that I'm going to be like what I'm sharing here is the only thing you need to know about these emotions and everybody else or everything else that I don't say just must not matter because Roy is saying everything that needs to be said. No, no, that ain't it at all, Right? I'm not going to be sharing anything in contrast to what anybody else teaches. I guess the best, is it a metaphor? And the best way to describe what I want to do is I want to put a couple of arrows in your quiver. I want to give you a couple of thoughts, a couple of techniques. I want to share a couple of insights that you can carry with you. That when you face some of these emotions, you might be able to pull them out of your quiver and use the arrow, right? You can use these things. So just some pointers, some things to consider because you might know quite a lot about these emotions. You might have spent years in therapy working on some of these emotions. And so I don't, I don't want to assume that you don't know anything about this, uh, nor do I want to present the ideas that, that I'm giving you everything you need to know about loneliness and anxiety, but we're afraid to ask. And whatever anybody else says is just garbage. Okay, no. I'm just going to give you some of my own perspectives, and I would encourage you to try them. I would encourage you to, you know, give them a test run, give them a test drive, and just see if it works. Right, I think in this area of life, we need to be very pragmatic. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's about what works. It's not about like what's right or what's wrong or what somebody says or what they say or what a religion says or what a doctor says. It's kind of more like what works. So just to make the point, I often make the joke that if you're feeling a stick with loneliness, because this is our topic today. If, if you're feeling really lonely and if you ate one whole box of cookies, you know, if you did the comfort food thing when you were feeling really lonely and separate, if you ate one box of cookies and you would never feel lonely again the rest of your life, I would say, oh, Jesus, eat the cookies. If it works, it works. I Right? If you could eat a box of cookies and never feel anxious, if you could, you know, walk around the block 10 times and you would never feel anxious the rest of your life, well, then there's your cure. That's what you do. So I want to approach this and encourage you to be very pragmatic and to try the things I'm going to point to and see if they work. If they don't work, then Roy's out to lunch. Okay. Um, now 
I will tell you, there is nothing I'm going to share that is original from me. Right? Genius is knowing who to steal from. Okay? That's a quote for you. I even stole that. (laughs) Okay? Now, I've immersed myself in these topics, both for my own journey, because I've dealt with all of these emotions, and I've done unbelievable amounts of training, probably the equivalency of four or five PhDs of work. You know, so I've read hundreds of books and seminars and sat at the feet of spiritual teachers and talked to doctors and, right, So what I'm giving you is some tried and true stuff that's been around for a long time and proved helpful. But who cares if it's proved helpful for people over the last 2,000 years? All that, that matters is if it works for you today. If it puts you on a path to having a better ability to handle your dark emotions. So that's That's it right there. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is, I really want you to hear that I am not saying or encouraging or even intimating that you should stop taking medications that may have been prescribed for you. If you're taking medications for or drugs or substances for emotions that have not been prescribed, I suggest you stop doing that. You know what I mean? (laughs) But if something's been prescribed to you by a psychologist, psychiatrist, an MD, then by all means, stay on that. I'm not going to presume to say I know more than your doctor. Because there's a big error here that happens around these things. You know, there's the medical model and then there's the, what would we call it, the alternative model or the spiritual model. And both sides look at the other side as if they're all wrong and they have nothing to offer, right? The medical model will look very often at the alternative world, the spiritual world and say, ah, it's just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. Let me write you another prescription, okay? And the alternative world will look at the medical model and say, oh, it's just a rip off. All the pharmaceutical companies just taking advantage of you. You don't need all that. You do these spiritual practices and it's going to fix you up. For instance, about uh, 12 years ago, I uh, found out that I had a bad aortic valve in my heart. It was calcifying and I developed a heart murmur. The valve wasn't opening far enough and so I wasn't getting blood flow and And so, you know, I needed open heart surgery. It was in 2011 to fix the valve. Well, I think I posted something about this on Facebook. And I actually had a person who was kind of a chiropractor. Um, She had all kinds of herbs and different substances that that she sold that were, you know, all over-the-counter stuff. It wasn't like it was um, anything illegal, but she had oils and herbs and she was in the chiropractic and kind of the, the you know the alternative world and she she put on facebook like i can heal that that heart valve of yours I, i've got some herbs that you can take and it will fix it right up okay um i of course never gave her the opportunity i never took any of that um she was an absolute quack 
get absolute off her rocker quack. Okay. <laughs> but this is what happens in these discussions. The medical model calls the other side quacks, and then the alternative models, you know, that all the medical people are all, it's just profit and it's not necessary. And the truth is, both have something to offer. Spiritual perspectives and solutions to these dark matters are very valuable and have proved it to be over thousands of years. But so have some of these medicines that have been developed. I mean, some of these medicines really help with anxiety. They really help with depression. Yeah, I mean, they, they really do. And I've known some people that I feel are enlightened beings. I mean, enlightened beings that took Prozac for a couple of years because the body was in a depressive state. Right? So, I just, I just want to offer those two caveats that all I'm giving you is some arrows to put in your quiver and I'm not discounting the medical field because I'm not talking about that side. I'm not an MD. I'm going to talk about the spiritual perspectives, the mindful or conscious approach to some of these dark matters that can make a real difference in your life. Okay? Now, what I want to do with loneliness is... I, I want to connect with you around this feeling. I want you to know that you aren't alone, that it is unbelievably common, that uh, that I've been there. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then I want to talk a little bit. I want to help you understand loneliness, kind of what's going on, help you get a little bit of a conceptual sort of understanding. And then I'm going to offer you some remedies. Okay, I would like, like I, I want you to walk away from this podcast, maybe even to remember this podcast. And, and toward the lat, latter half of it, I'm going to give you at least four things that you can do when you are in the midst of that dark feeling, when you're feeling lonely, Here's what you can do. Now, before that, I want to talk about some, some issues to help you understand, not so that you will never feel lonely again. That would, that would be a goal that I don't even know is possible. But I want to share some perspectives that you might experience loneliness less, right? Or at least understand it more so that you can work with it. And it's not such a debilitating feeling. It doesn't control your life because loneliness, and that may be a good place to really start here. Loneliness is such a powerful emotion that it cannot be ignored, right? You are gonna do something with this feeling, right? It's, it's gonna run your life unless you know how to deal with it. And most of us don't. So I thought what I would do is in my first book that's titled A Drink With Legs. And it's kind of funny. My first book was my memoir. <laughs> really, the, the book is my story of how I went from drama in relationships to a healthy, sustainable marriage. Right. And I just tell my story. So it's a very personal book. 
Um, there's got, it's got lots of teachings in it, but it's, it's really my own journey from the darkness of drama to the dawning of intimacy. And so I guess it's a memoir in the sense that it's, you know, it's just me being narcissistic and <laughs> telling my story. <laughs> okay. And in chapter eight, um, I, I write about what I call the soulmate syndrome. Um, and I, 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 because we'll get to this, you know, I, I really stand against the idea that, you know, we put so much emphasis on this life partner. I mean, they are supposed to be the source of everything in our lives. And, and, and it's just, it puts too much pressure on the intimate relationship. It puts way too much pressure on your partner to fulfill the duties and the job description of the soulmate, right? When you are someone's soulmate and they're yours, you know, I, I know you don't want to look at it this way, but there are expectations and demands for that job, right? It's like being president of the United States. You get that job, it's a lot more difficult than people think, right? Every president finishes their term and they look beaten to shit when they're done, <laughs> Right. Barack Obama went in looking like a, you know, pretty young, healthy, fit guy. He came out. Hair was gray. <laughs> you know? okay? So that job is way harder, way more intense um, than I think anybody even knows until they do it. And being someone's soulmate, that's a damn hard job to be there to fulfill their needs to meet their expectations, you know, to, to always be enough for them, to help them to continue to always feel connected and wanted and loved and seen, right? Whew, mama, right? So we put so much emphasis on a life partner that it just creates a kind of codependency. We're depending on each other. We're co-depending on each other to be each other's soulmate and to meet each other's emotional needs and all that stuff. And it's just, it's just too much for a human being to be able to do, right? It's sort of, it's sort of a God job or whatever source job, whatever you consider God to be. I don't even know. I mean, life, I usually use the word life, but it's not a human being's job to meet our emotional needs and to you know, to be our be all and end all. Right. And so I write a chapter, chapter eight in my first book, a drink with legs on that. And I start out by talking about loneliness. And so I thought, um, it might be good for me. Just let me just read a page or page and a half to you. Shouldn't take more than a minute or two here. So here's how it starts. Oh, by the way, this chapter starts with a quote from Blaise Pascal, I think who was, I'm not sure what, you know, um, when he lived, I don't know if it's early 1900s, maybe 1800s, I'm not sure, I should look that up, but he's a pretty famous philosopher, and he made this statement, and I quote it at the beginning of chapter 8, he says, all man's miseries, that's a big statement, all man's miseries derive from not being able to to sit quietly in a room alone. Feed on that for a minute. 
all of man's miseries. And he doesn't mean like male men. He means human beings. All of our miseries derive from not being able to sit quietly in a room alone. Have you ever tried to do that? To turn off every device? Turn and have no stimulation whatsoever? No music? No TV? No phone? No internet? No computer? No magazines? No nothing. Just sit down for an hour and close your eyes and tell me if you do not feel like you are in hell, that you can't do it. (laughs) So because we can't do it, it makes us do, I mean, loneliness makes us do bizarre things in our love lives. And that's where I'm going here in this chapter. So here's how it starts. The agonizing year that followed my breakup with my ex-fiance, Julie, not her real name, felt like some evil spirit had entered my body and took me over. I'm not kidding. I felt possessed by a vampire-like creature that I came to know as loneliness. Loneliness wouldn't come out during the day when I was busy giving golf lessons, playing tournaments, and being around friends. No, he'd come out when the sun was setting when my day was ending and I was driving home to no one. I could not escape this evil commute. The internet became loneliness's blood bank. He joined multiple dating sites and spent hours scowling profiles and sending emails and arranging dates. When he wasn't online... Loneliness prowled the night in pickup bars and clubs looking for a woman to sink his teeth into and quench his desperate thirst. The following day, as the sun rose, loneliness would dissolve into the shadows and I, Roy, would regain control of my life, always vowing to respond more consciously the next time loneliness bared his fangs which, of course, would be as soon as the sun set. But it seemed loneliness was too strong. For each night as I drove home, the process would repeat itself. Loneliness is the feeling that torments our soul. It's like the all-powerful Oz That unseen but unmistakable force hiding behind the curtain, speaking with a terrifying, booming voice, pulling levers and turning knobs, making us do the craziest things. Be honest. Isn't this evil entity, this vampire-like creature that overtakes us, isn't loneliness responsible for the following actions? We date people we know aren't right for us. We have sex well before we're ready. We stay in dead-end, lifeless relationships far too long. We go back to former lovers, considering convincing ourselves that this time it will be different. We give second chances to those who hurt us physically and or emotionally. 
we make stupid financial decisions in order to attract someone or keep them from leaving us. We expose our children to people in situations knowing full well it's not good for them. We put our dreams on hold or ignore them altogether if we think it might jeopardize our love lives. It's clear. The vampire-like force that keeps us stuck is loneliness. End quote. Can you relate to that? I know I can. You know, in, um, in my newest book, Relationship Boot Camp, here's one paragraph from it. This is what I wrote. I am scared. That's sort of a weird thing to say or write, but it's nevertheless true. And I'm not necessarily scared of any particular situation or possibility, though at times I am. No, the kind of fear I'm talking about is more structural in nature than circumstantial. It's an undefined sense of feeling separate. A background feeling of being fundamentally alone and left to fend for myself. That's how life often feels to me. And it's felt that way for as long as I can remember. So as we talk about loneliness here, um, I'm talking from a very personal place. I mean, I'm intimately familiar with loneliness and I'm intimately familiar with the crazy shit it will make you do. I mean, again, it's so powerful that it's almost like you you have to do something to deal with it, to, to make the dark, heavy, empty, hollow feeling go away. Now, hmm, what's the remedy, right? I don't know if we need to say a whole lot more other than maybe this. Loneliness really is a fear, right? It, 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 it's probably a combination of feelings of fear and sadness, right? If you mix, like if you mix red and blue together, you get purple, right? If you mix fear and sadness together, I think you get loneliness, right? Because a part of loneliness is I'm sad, right? I, I'm not with someone. I'm, I'm alone. Um, and there's a sadness to it, but there's a fear to it. And that's the part that I don't think most of us pay attention to. I don't think, if you ask the normal person, what, when you say lonely, which core emotion is it most uh, representing, right? Because pretty much everyone agrees that the core emotions are a little bit like the three primary colors. What is it? Red, green, and yellow? Or red, green, and blue. <laughs> I don't know. I do know the primary colors in emotions. And they are angry, sad, scared. Right? Those are the three 
central core feelings. There's hundreds of feelings, but those are the three central ones. And if you ask most people, okay, when, when someone says they're lonely, what are they feeling? I'll bet you 99 out of 100 would say they feel sad, okay? And, and to a degree, I agree. But there's also a fear. And one of the first ways you start to deal with your loneliness is by understanding that loneliness is not just an emotion or it's not coming from nowhere. Loneliness You will feel it in your body, but it comes from your head. Loneliness is a thought. Or loneliness is produced by a thought. Okay, so we feel it in our body, so it's an emotion, it's an energy, it's a a hollow sensation in the chest, or a heaviness, or a, a darkness. I'm not sure how you would describe your experience of loneliness, but that's what it was like for me. It was almost like a, like I couldn't catch my breath. Um, there was a like an emptiness, a hollowness. Um, but it it's it's produced by a thought, and it's that part that most people don't know. That because the fear of it, the fear in the loneliness is derived by your thinking a certain thing. And usually, loneliness gets its power, not because you're by yourself on a Saturday night, or you're by yourself on Valentine's Day. It, it, it's not. It's not necessarily just from this moment, but there's a thought that it's going to continue, that it might never end. Right, like I'm never gonna be with my partner on Valentine's Day. Right? It's I might never meet my life partner. And it's that thought that makes the loneliness exponentially more difficult to deal with. If it's just a Saturday night, you can survive a Saturday night. Okay, uh, Saturday night, I got no one to hang out with, and I feel kind of lonely. Take a breath. Put your hand on your chest, welcome it, breathe, do what you're going to do, right? But what happens is the mind is there and the mind starts to say, well, you've, you know, you've been single for a long time. How are you going to meet someone? Where are you going to meet someone? What if you never meet someone? And then it's like the loneliness, it gets darker and, and, and more real and more powerful, And so let me give you an example, because you might not be believing me on this, that loneliness is produced by a thought, okay? It's not produced because you're not with someone. (laughs) It's not. It's coming from your head. It's not because there's nobody sleeping next to you or there's no one to go have dinner with on Valentine's Day. That's not where loneliness comes from. It's coming from your head. Your head is saying things and the body's reacting, right? You, You know this. The, the body doesn't produce emotions on its own. The, the body's just simply listening to that voice in your head and responding. The body doesn't know the difference between a thought and a reality. Right? If you're walking down a trail in the woods and you see a bear, oh my God, you're going to be terrified. Right? That's a real bear 
right? You see it. The mind records it. The, the brain says, oh, bear, danger, the body, the heart rate, the cortisone, whatever. The, the body goes, the fight or flight thing happens and you're terrified. But you can be coming home from work on Friday night and you just have the thought like, I got no one to hang out with tonight. And the body is going to react like you just saw a bear. It, it doesn't know the difference between a reality and a thought. So for instance, let's say you're feeling you're feeling some loneliness, okay? Which you very well may be because it's Valentine's Day. But what if I told you that six months from now, six months from now, you are gonna meet the love of your life. You you're gonna be with someone who is just so special that you love them, they love you, you're in this fantastic, healthy, committed relationship of your dreams. Six months from now, I'm, I know the future. I'm a psychic and I'm telling you that that's coming for you. Tell me how lonely you are right now. What happened to it? <laughs> it might be a little bit, you know, I still don't have anything to do tonight, right? But it's not going to be that big a deal because... My mind just told me that I'm going to be with someone. And so, eh, eh, I'm just, I'm probably not lonely. I'm probably just bored. I got nothing to do. Kind of sucks, right? But there's no problem because I know what's coming. Now, what if you're lonely right now, that same feeling right now? And I tell you, I've got a crystal ball and you are never going to meet someone the rest of your life. Never. You will never be touched. You won't be kissed. You won't be loved. You, no one will make love with you. No one wants to have dinner with you. You are never going to be in a relationship again the rest of your life. Now, how do you feel? Didn't it just go skyrocket? You see? So you got to pay attention to what you're thinking about your love life is the point here. The stories you're telling yourself, stories create feelings. Feelings are stories. Sit with that for a moment. Feelings are stories. And if they're negative feelings, the story's never true. Oh, I might never meet someone. You don't know if that's true because you don't have a crystal ball. You might, you may not. But all you know is right now, I'm not with someone. That is manageable. The present moment as it is really has no problem in it. You remember I did a podcast a while back on all problems are caused by mind, no exceptions. It was the quantum questions series. And it was Michael Singer. His quote was, it was quantum quotes, I think. All problems are caused by mind, no exception. Right now in this moment, there isn't a problem. You're just alone. You're just in your car, driving, listening to me. In fact, I'm with you right now, <laughs> right? You're, you're just, there's just no problem in the present moment. The only way you get a problem is if you go up into your head and, and your head takes you into the past or into the future. But right now, if you don't think about the past or the future, 
you won't be able to find a problem. There will just be the reality of life. I'm in the car driving by myself. I'm walking down the street listening to a podcast. There there just is no problem until your mind says, well, yeah, but there's nobody back at my house and I have no one go out with later tonight and I might never meet someone. So what happens about that? And right now the mind is involved and it's the mind that causes the problem. Okay. So this is an important part of loneliness here. You have got to watch that voice in your head and the shit it's telling you because your mind does think it's psychic. I think in one of the chapters in my new book, Relationship Boot Camp, I identify four or five personas of the mind, and one of them is called the psychic. Like your mind thinks it knows everything's going to happen in the future, and it knows why people do things. And I mean, have you noticed that you think you're right about everything? (laughs) That's how the mind works. The mind thinks it's psychic. And then if you listen to that, if you, if you believe that little psychic that lives in your head, you're, you're going to make everything worse. So that's just like an aside. You, if you're feeling a lot of loneliness, it's because your mind is telling you something. That you're way out of the present moment and you're way into the future or into the past. A lot of times we'll feel lonely because we were in a great relationship that fell apart. I felt this too. See, I had my ex-fiance and there was a lot of really great things about that relationship. And I really feared I would never find someone like that again. Right? What if I never meet someone like that? What if I never feel like that about a woman again? What if a woman never feels that way about me? Because in the beginning, my ex-fiance was nuts about me and I was about her. We had this incredible sex life, okay? So I had lots of thoughts like, what if I never have that again? And that'll make my loneliness more powerful. And I could go into the future. What if I never meet anyone? What if, I'm, what if I stay single forever? What if, uh, what if that relationship is my last one, okay? Now I'm in the future. Now my loneliness has just gone exponentially up, but if I just notice that I'm just thinking, I'm just have the, what do you mean I'm never going to meet someone that is crazy about me? How do I know that? When, that? It's just a thought, right? It's just a story. And I never meet someone in the future. How do I know that? Like, none of it's true. It's just possibilities, I guess. But it's also possible that I meet someone who's better than my ex-fiance, it's also possible that I'll meet someone next week. Right? If you think you might die alone, you're making that up. You have no idea. So the opposite could be true. I'm going to meet somebody today. Right? You don't know. Oh, I'll never meet someone like that person. I'll never have that great sex life and that kind of chemistry again. You're making that up. You don't know. You could meet someone and it's even better. See, so first tip on loneliness is you are making it way worse by what you're thinking, but you don't know that you're thinking. You don't know that you're doing this to yourself. You just, you hear that voice in your head. You think it's you and you think it's true. You think it's right. 
and you, you don't have the ability to notice your thoughts and say, hey, wait a minute, where'd that thought come from? What do you mean I'm never going to meet someone? How do you know that, Roy? Like, shut up. Like, <laughs> all you know is that right now, there's nobody with you. That's all you know. Can you manage that? It's a little bit like an AA, right? All they tell someone is like um, one day at a time because it's like you can never drink the rest of your life. Well, that's overwhelming. You know, don't worry about that. Can you just not drink today? Can't, can't you do that? Sure, I can do that. So in other words, if we stay in the present moment, it's doable. It's easy. It's just, okay, so today I'm not with someone, right? I'm, but when that mind gets involved, oh my God, then it, it, it takes on this, it just becomes this vampire. Just it, just it will suck the life out of you, okay? So that's, that's my first point. Now, before I get into the remedy, I actually want to briefly address the remedy that we all use. Okay. The conventional remedy to loneliness is to find a partner. If you're lonely, find someone. Right? If you don't feel loved, find someone to love you. So you got this feeling. The solution is to find a partner. Okay? Now, they never tell you, like, what do you do with that feeling between now and whenever that happens? Because if you could snap your fingers and just manifest your partner right now, right in front of you. Okay, great. You know, you're magical. Um, but, but that really is the conventional wisdom. You hear it in movies that the solution to, to our inability to be alone is to find a partner. We, you hear it in the Disney, you know, uh, stories, you, you, hear it in magazines, you see it in music. In fact, um, I'm going to play you about a one-minute clip of a song right now that is popular. Um, The artist's name is Alesso, A-L-E-S-S-O, and strangely, the song's title is Remedy. So listen to Remedy sing about loneliness and about how he feels that his loneliness can be remedied. You are the remedy. I didn't have no one to turn to. Yeah, I was circling the drain. Mm-hmm. Now you show me I can learn to yeah. how to be okay again. party pooper. But did you hear that line? Loneliness is my disease and you are the remedy. Okay, it's 
It's romantic, right? I get that. I don't have a heart of stone, okay? <laughs> right? So I get that. And it's not true. And it doesn't work, right? It, to believe finding your partner is going to relieve loneliness, gosh, it only works temporarily, Right? And, for, and for a moment, right, I mean, right, but don't you know lots of people that are in relationships that are lonely? Don't you know a lot of people who are married but still kind of lonely? They're, they don't feel met by their partner. They don't feel seen. They don't feel really connected, okay? So we... Yes, we can enjoy these songs. And, I, you know, I could have chosen just thousands of songs I could have chosen. That one, just the words were just too perfect for, for what we're talking about here. But the other thing about loneliness is like, okay, you meet someone. Okay, loneliness is gone. You know, it's like that Etta James song. You know, at last, my love has come along, right? My lonely days are gone. Until maybe you break up or you get divorced, or someone dies, and then it's like, I'm lonely again. Do you see? So the only th- the best thing a partner can do is be a Band-Aid. They're just covering it. It's like Novocaine or morphine, right? You're really hurting. They give you morphine so you can't feel anything. It doesn't mean the pain isn't there. It doesn't mean that it's that it's gone away it just means you can't feel it you see so you find a partner oh i can't feel it but it's there because it will come right back as soon as that relationship ends so you haven't solved anything so if you aren't the remedy if the soulmate isn't the remedy then what is Well, let me give you four things that you can do immediately when you're feeling the demon, when you're feeling possessed by the vampire, when you're feeling lonely, this is what you can do. First, and we'll start with the most basic and the easiest, and we'll go toward the most complicated, okay? First, Loneliness is very much a self-inflicted wound in that we have a ha- we have a habit of not revealing ourselves to people. Like you can be in a room of crowded people, you can be in a relationship. But if you don't reveal yourself, if you conceal, if you're if you don't open, if you don't share yourself, if, 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 you're, if you're not transparent, then you will always feel alone. Like nobody knows me. Why? It's because you don't make yourself known. So the first step out of loneliness is with the people that are in your life. Do they really know you? Are, are you letting them know how lonely you are? Are you telling them what you're feeling? So I know there are some people in your life, right? Nobody, unless you're a monk living in a cave or a monastery, nobody is really alone, 
You might not have your intimate partner, but you have people in your life. The issue is, are you connected with them? Do they really know you? Are you revealing yourself to them? So we can, we can make our own loneliness just because we hide ourselves. We, we don't tell people what we're feeling and thinking and wanting. Nobody really knows what's going on inside of us. Nobody knows who we are, what we're suffering from, what we're enjoying, what we're thinking. In other words, we're not taking the steps to create intimacy with the people that are already in our lives. So that's number one. How much of an effort are you making to connect with other people and to make yourself known? That's first. Secondly, in the moment you're feeling the techniques, I'm feeling the, the feelings, the technique is to welcome the feeling. Okay, now I know this is going to be a little weird because the lonely feelings, that hollowness, right? That, that emptiness, that heaviness, however it shows up for you is uncomfortable and you would rather not feel that. You would rather avoid it. You would rather get away from it. And, and we do that. We do that by thinking, I got to get online and find a partner, um, you know, uh, or we drink or we meditate or exercise or do something to run away from the feeling. So I get that, right? But that doesn't work. Because whenever you finish doing whatever it is you decided to do to avoid the feeling, the feeling's still there, right? So, so the other way to deal with this is to actually move toward the feeling, to embrace it rather than resist it, to actually welcome it. Like loneliness is at the front door, knocking on the door, and you're like, I don't want to answer the door. I don't want to let it in. I don't want to experience it, feel it. I'm just going to put my head in the sand and watch TV or scroll through Facebook or Instagram or do something to avoid whatever I'm feeling. That won't help because you're going to circle back and the feeling is going to come back as soon as you quit doing whatever it is you're doing to avoid it. So the other option is to open the front door, say, come on in. You're welcome here. Sit with me as I sit with you. Tell me about yourself. Let me, in other words, it's the active commitment to feel lonely. And I know that sounds nuts. It's like, no, I, w- I want it to go away, right? But it's already here. And in a sense, it's already in the house. <laughs> You're just trying to kick it out of the house and it won't leave that way. So what if you decide to make friends with it? What if you decide to feel your feelings? Just what if you were to be with it for a while? So for example, here's what it would look like. You feel those feelings coming on. What if you turned your phone off and turned the TV off and no music? Maybe you're in your room, maybe sitting in your car in a parking lot. Maybe right now you're walking and listening to this on you know, your earbuds or something. What if you sat on a park bench? Because right now in this moment, you're, I'm talking about loneliness and you're feeling lonely. Thank you, Roy. Um, What, what if you just sat down 
and said, come to me. Come on. Come on, loneliness. You're welcome here. Let me feel you. So what if you sat quietly for three minutes and just let the feeling have the floor? I am yours. I give myself to you. I'm, I'm welcoming you. You're my friend. I'm, I'm not going to push you away. Let me feel the sensations. Perhaps you put your hand on the part of your body where you could really feel the loneliness as a gesture of love, a gesture of it's okay. What if you felt the feeling? What if you breathe into the air? Like send breath to it. Like I want to give loneliness some air. I don't want to choke you out. I want to give you breath. I want to give you love. Perhaps you let loneliness make a sound come out of your mouth. Not words, but a sound. Maybe it's a deep sigh. Maybe tears will stream down your face. Like as you give loneliness space, I don't know what's going to happen. But something beautiful is going to happen. So you breathe with it. You allow it to move through your voice box to make sound. Maybe you let it take over your body and move you to tears or to double over like in pain. Like you're, you're really allowing loneliness to have you. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. Try it. Try this and see if I'm not right. That if you will do that for three minutes, you tell me what happens to loneliness. You tell me if it doesn't shift. You tell me if you don't feel some relief. And the only way you wouldn't is if your mind tells you, oh, but this is never going to go away and I'm because I'm never going to meet someone. And so the feeling will be like a birthday candle you can't blow out. Right? Remember the birthday candle? You blow it and it reignites. Well, that's what happens with these feelings. If you sit with them, they will shift. They will move through your body. They're just energies that want to release. If you sit with it and you welcome it, you breathe and move and vocalize it, it will release. Unless your mind keeps telling you, you're never going to meet someone. You'll never meet someone like your ex. You know, you're, 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 your best relationship is behind you. You know, if, if you, if your mind says that, then the feeling will come back. But if you can ignore the mind and say, I don't know anything about the future right here, right now, loneliness is my friend. I'm welcoming you and I'm feeling you and breathing with you and allowing you to make sound and and flow down my face in tears or to double me over in pain, I'm telling you it's going to shift. You're going to feel a freedom. Now, maybe it comes back five minutes from now, five days from now. Then welcome it again. Because you already know that the ways you have been dealing with loneliness only ruin your life. Oh, I stay in relationships longer than I should because I'm so afraid of being alone. Or I put up with things I shouldn't put up with. Or I get on all these dating sites and just get myself in just nightmare situations because I'm just so desperate to find someone because I'm running away from this feeling. So the first technique 
is you start to reveal yourself to people that you are in relationship with. People get to know you. You feel the intimacy of others. The second step is you have intimacy with your own self, with your own experience. You're not running away from your reality. You're embracing the loneliness. You're becoming intimate with the very present moment as it is, as it arises in your body. Now, thirdly, go outside. Go outside in nature. But you have to go outside and actually look with conscious eyes. You have to look that nothing is separate out there. Nothing is on its own. Nothing is left to fend for itself. Remember, I read that out of my book. The trees are connected to the earth. The birds sit in the trees. The earth has worms for the birds. Do you follow me? If you look at nature, you're going to see interconnectivity. You're going to see harmony. You're not going to see aloneness. You're not going to see disconnection. You're not going to see anything that's been left to fend for itself. It's all a part of this one life and you are no different than the tree or the squirrel or the bird or the pond. You're just on this planet like they are. And you're, you're a part of this one planet, part of this one life. You're not disconnected. You're not alone. Yeah, you might not have a person sleeping in the bed next to you. Okay, I get that. And I know you want that. That's fine. But that won't feel so horrible if you really can feel in your body that you're not alone, that you're not disconnected, that you're not left to fend for yourself. Do you follow me? So go out in the nature, not just for a walk, but look around. Look at how everything is depending on everything. It's all connected. It's all one thing. Nothing is separate and neither are you. That can calm you down on the inside in unbelievable ways. I've done this so much. When I my ex-fiance broke up with me and I was feeling the demon, I, I would go out. I, I When I was visiting my parents, especially, they lived on a golf course. I would go out in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep, because I was just distraught and lonely and sad and scared. And I'd take my shoes off and I would walk on the fairways of the golf course in the middle of the night in the dew and I'd scream at God and I would sing and I'd be happy and then I'd be sad and I just I just looked at the stars and it, it's this life was all around me and I just felt a part of it. Did it make the loneliness go away completely? No. But it, man, it made a huge difference. It just opened up my body a little bit. Like, relax, Roy. You're okay. You just don't have a girlfriend right now. Get a grip, dude. You're connected to everything. You got friends. You got family. Take a breath. Relax. Okay? So that's the third thing. And then lastly, the most challenging one is to explore your connection to source in whatever way you feel source. You want to call it God, call it God. You want to call it life, call it life. You want to call it the universe. You want to call it the quantum field. I don't give a rat's ass what you call it. But the more that you feel 
like you are a child of God. The more that you feel that you are in good hands with your version of all state, right? The more that you feel held, the more that you feel connected to something larger than yourself. Well, then how do you feel lonely? Because you're not alone. This is what David pointed out in Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. You need to work on your thou art with me part of your life. You need to work on your spiritual connection. And I'm just here to tell you, you don't need to believe in God to have this. You can be an atheist. I'm not into all the Christian stuff. I enjoy Buddhism and Hinduism, but I'm not a Buddhist or a a Hindu person at all. Right? You don't need a deity. You don't need to be a theist. You don't need to be religious to feel, thou art with me. Life art with me. Right? So that's the hardest one. That's the deepest one. But that's the one that provides the most profound relief from loneliness is when you really get that I'm not separate from life. I'm one with life. I am life. Right? I I am connected to everything and everyone. So loneliness doesn't even make sense. Okay? Now, that is the deepest... That is the path of a the path of a lifetime to explore that. Right? Because there's so many people on this planet that believe in God and are still lonely, and it makes no sense from their faith. Right? A Christian, a Jew, a Muslim, you name it, should never feel lonely if they actually believe what their scriptures teach. But, you know, we don't actually practice and really believe the things that we believe in our heads, right? We have head knowledge. It doesn't mean that we're like David's, you know, I fear no evil, for thou art with me, right? It's one thing to memorize that verse. It's another thing to have it become a reality in your soul, okay? We just need to work on these things. You need to work on your thou art with me part of your life. You need to have that that intimacy with life, with source. That's the ultimate solution. Okay, so that brings us to the end of this one. And next time we... We jump on this podcast. It's we're gonna we're gonna go into anxiety and how do how do I deal with anxiety? And I'm gonna point to a few things that will be similar because feelings are feelings. Whether it's loneliness or anxiety or insecurity, that one about feeling the feeling, welcoming it. You're gonna hear me say it over and over again because that's a standard practice. Rather than avoid the feeling, we'll feel it. See what happens to it when you embrace it and allow it to be. But we're going to bring some new perspectives around these different feelings, little different dimensions. Now, between now and then, as always, you want to go deeper, you, you want to how do I, you want to have questions, how do I apply this to my life, Roy, um, my situation, 
Can you give me some pointers? Well, I'm a coach. That's what I do. Okay, so if I can help you process or integrate, help you in any way, my email is Roy at coachingwithroy.com and my phone number is 407-687-3387. So until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.